today, I want to share that word with you out of Psalms chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, a Bible reading is going to come from Psalms chapter 1. I'm really excited for this. I really feel that it's a, it's a timely word that we need uh, with everything that's going on. Psalm 1, beginning with verse 1. And I'm going to read from New Living Translation. It says this. It says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked. Most translation says, Blessed is the one who does not. I chose the New Living for a reason. You'll see it for a second. But the word blessed means joyful, confident, exuberant. That's what the word blessed means here. It says he does not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Can you say amen? That's the word of the Lord for us this morning. I want to talk to you today on the topic of holy leisure. It's actually something that the church fathers coined uh, going back to the beginning of the early church. They call this holy leisure, how to meditate on the word, how to be rooted and grounded in the word of God. Because my friends, I think we can all agree that the chaos is real right now. There's so much happening, right? We have wars and rumors of war. Right? We have an economic crisis in our hand, an inflation that's really hurting the bottom line of many families. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that I don't live in California right now. There's so much going on. The political divide continues to wedge a major gap between Americans. We have information overload. We have more information that we don't know what to do with. Because every day we're bombarded with new information. We have battles of addiction. And today, by the grace of God, you're going to hear how Jesus is setting people free from addiction. So there's a lot going on. And so in the midst of all of that, my friends, I don't know about you, but I also thank God that we have the word of God to root and ground us in such chaotic times. And I want to talk to you today about what I believe is the greatest need of our day. If you take your notes, I really believe this with all my heart. The greatest need of our day is the need for discernment. I believe the sermon is the greatest need that we all need to be asking more of. I don't know if you know this, but the Bible tells us that discernment is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit comes to help you discern through the noise and discern through voices and discern through people and discern through situations and circumstances. And if you're taking notes, the word discernment is another word for distinguishing. It helps you to distinguish right from wrong. It helps you to distinguish right from almost right. Hello, somebody. Because I don't know if you paying attention, but we have, we have more experts than experience. We have more opinions than facts. 
And we have more critics than doers. And blessed is the one that can discern through all the noise and all the lies and all the deceitfulness and all of the clutter that's happening all around us. Another way of looking at discernment is that discernment is a spiritual perception. In other words, it's the ability to read between the lines, or better yet, to read between the voices. Because behind every voice, there's a motive and intention that the grace of God and the Spirit of God helps me to discern his will. I need to get guidance. I need understanding. I love the way Charles Spurgeon defines discernment. Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers that ever lived, said, discernment is knowing what's truly right from almost right. Oh, we live in a day and age where we can settle for almost. Right? Like good enough. I don't know about you, but as God's people, we weren't called to settle for good enough. Good is the enemy of great. And good is the enemy of godly. It's not always good. It needs to be godly. It needs to be the will of God. So... We need to sift through the fog. I don't know about you, this, it's foggy out there. It's murky. It's muddy. Right? It's confusing at times. That Jesus said that if possible, even the elect can be deceived. It's possible to even be in the house and, and be in confusion. Because in the middle of the sermon, you also have to discern even religious voices. One of the greatest enemies of Jesus was religious people. So you have to discern even through the voices of religion. And if you pay attention to the psalm, I love what he does here. He says, listen, if you're going to live a blessed life, a joyful life, a, a fulfilled life, you have to go through the process of elimination. Because a blessed person does not do certain things. Or a blessed person doesn't just allow anything to come into his or her life. A blessed person, in other words, is selective. He says, blessed is the person who does not, first of all, and the reason why I chose New, uh, New Living is because it starts with, oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked. We live in a day and age where everybody has followers. <laughs> Question is, where are you leading us? Like Jesus said, that it's possible to, to have followers, but if you don't know where you're leading them, it's like blind leading the blind. So behind every post, I need to ask the question, where is this leading? And where is this coming from? Because out of the abundance of the heart, we tweet. Or we Facebook. Or we Instagram. Or we TikTok. <laughs> I refuse to go on TikTok. <laughs> I just refuse it. But he says the blessed person does not... Follow the advice of the wicked. In other words, if you're taking notes, what he's saying here is, he said the blessed person discerns the source of advice. Not every advice is for the godly. So the sermon helps the godly understand, okay, you said that, but it doesn't mean I have to buy into it. Better yet, the blessed person knows how to discern between what you said and what you're producing. Because I don't know about you, with every advice, criticism, I'm not listening to what you're saying. I'm checking your fruits. Does your advice coincide with the fruits that you're producing? Because if you don't have fruits, then it's just opinion. It's like the big Lebowski. That's just your opinion, man. 
Okay, I'll just move on. <laughs> you got to discern the voices, my friends. In other words, behind every social media post, behind every news outlet, you have to distinguish where is it coming from. You can't just take things at face value. You can't just assume that if they tell you it's news, it's actually news. <laughs> behind every news outlet, there's motives, there's intentions, and better yet, there's worldviews. There's a worldview attached to every news outlet that you watch. And I don't know if you're paying attention, but nowadays, we even have things like algorithms. Algorithms will keep you in the vein of information that is slanted just for a group of people. And what we do is exactly what we, she just said. We are creating eco chambers. In other words, I got my truth and you got your truth. And then we're missing the truth who is the way, the truth, and the life, which is Jesus himself. If I'm not discerning, my friends, I'm going to buy into the lie. And worse yet, I'll become part of the problem. Because I'm finding that it's religious people who are also getting sucked into it. I don't know about you, but when was the last time you watched the news without it being breaking news? <laughs> there used to be a time where breaking news was like, oh, something really crazy happened in the world. Now it's like, breaking news. Someone in America is having cereal. <laughs> Question is, though, is it that cereal slanted to the left or to the right? Find out after these commercials. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> Everything is breaking news. Why? Because they want to keep you glued to the algorithm of fear and consumerism so you don't actually go and live your life. <laughs> Blessed is the person who can discern through unhealthy fears. Because, man, we are pumped into fear. COVID-19 brought fear to a whole nother level. To make matter worse, we have COVID also brought out crazy YouTube profits. Brought them out of the woodwork, man. It's like now everybody with a little camera in their basement looking like Vince Osama Bin Laden has a prophecy. <laughs> and blesses the man who can discern even through the Osama Bin Laden prophecies. <laughs> because Jesus said they would come with many voices and say many things. Just because it sounds spiritual doesn't mean it's co-signed by the Holy Spirit. You got to discern through all of it. Process of elimination. He goes on to say, do not stand around with sinners. Process of elimination. Selective. I don't stand around with sinners. Of course, when you read something like that, the objection should be, aren't we all sinners? Right? And this is why it's so critical that we are in the word because the word says, no, there's, there's a difference between being a sinner and living in sin. In other words, yes, we're all sinners, but saved by the grace of God, your identity is no longer sinner, but saint, set apart, distinct to the Lord. And if you are not discerning that, then guess what? You are no longer in the identity that he gave you. We just came out of the book of Galatians. Why? Because we need to be grounded in the grace of God to know who we really are. Not who we used to be. I don't know about you. I'm not going to be identified by what I used to be. I want to be identified by who I am. I'm not a sinner. I'm a saint. I may sin, but I don't live in sin. There's a difference between sinning and co-signing it. Blessed is the person 
who does not stand around with sinners. Sin is missing the mark. Why would I keep missing the mark when I know better? Why would I be around people who keep telling me that missing the mark is okay? I know we're going to get quiet now, but the struggle is, blesses the man who doesn't even hang out with sinners in the church. Don't get quiet on me, Baptist church. There's a difference between struggling with something and embracing something. There's a difference between half the gospel and the full gospel. Half the gospel, Jesus forgive me. Full gospel, Jesus empower me because I don't want to go back to that. I don't want to live in that. We got a lot of cute, cliche Christian sayings that is not Christian. God helps those who help themselves. Show me that in the Bible. <laughs> you know, we're just beggars. Tell the little beggar to find bread. Great. Now that you got bread, don't keep begging. Okay. All right. I'll just move on. I'll just preach to myself. I told you a couple of weeks ago, the problem with, with that is that he who aims at nothing hits it every time. What he's saying is when, when you're standing around with sinners, that means you have no purpose. Nothing worse than no purpose. In other words, listen, today you're going to get baptized and your stories are powerful. We already heard some amazing stories. But the key, though, is you've got to keep moving forward. You can't just stay in this. If you stay in it and you're hung around with the very thing that you want to be delivered from. Notice the progression. He says he doesn't follow, he doesn't stand, and then he doesn't join. You notice that progression? Follow, stand, join. In other words, there's a progress, progressiveness to sin or there's a progressiveness to holiness. Right? Like I, I start with following and then I stand and next thing you know I get comfortable and I join. Watch this. He says, I don't join with mockers. We live in a day and age where we are applauding. And even, it's like a badge of honor to be a cynic or a skeptic. It's almost like the most pessimistic you are, the more cool you are. It's like the more you can ride on people, the more it seems like you have a badge of honor in our day. But he says the blessed person discerns through that and says, oh, no, no, that's not the ways of God. Cynicism shouldn't be celebrated. Disbelief shouldn't be celebrated. Skepticism shouldn't be the thing. If I'm discerning, I'm seeing that. That is just the byproduct of a jaded society. That, worse yet, it's a byproduct of people who haven't healed from whatever hurt they're going through. And mocking, making fun, becomes a defense mechanism. I don't know about you. But there's a trend even around mocking the church and the people of God. And I would say, to some extent, we deserve it. When I look at the Capital C Church, I'm like, eh, we're doing some weird things. So, I can't defend it, but I'm not joining. There's a difference. I'm not co-signing it, but I'm also not joining the group of mockers now all of a sudden, because here's, here's a tendency with human nature. We have a tendency to think that we are now better because I can see through that. But it's like, do you see through your heart as well? 
I don't know about you. Look, my wife and I have been we're happily married 16 years, but we still fight sometimes and pray for us. And if you don't fight in your marriage, God bless you. <laughs> but here's my point. We, we may fight, you know, but if you find yourselves in an argument and you try to butt in, we're going we're gonna to turn on you. Because <laughs> we're a unit. We'll turn on you, deal with you, and then we'll come back and fight each other. Why? Because we're a unit. Two becomes one. I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to get to. Jesus said he died for his bride. I don't want to be the guy who talked bad about Jesus' wife. Because one day he's going to hold me accountable. And it's not just going to be a slap in the face. Too soon. I have so many thoughts about that. That should be a podcast. Ask pastor about the slap. You just. (laughs) But I I do want to say one thing, though, that that we, we, we have to address this part is we cannot, as men, co-sign violence. That is not how we want our children to deal with adversity and trials and tribulations. That is the last thing we want to see being advocated for. And so we have to be careful, again, discern through it and say, what is that spirit that drives a man to hit another man? Again, I'm not judging him, I'm just saying. Because I don't know about you, catch me on the wrong day without the Holy Spirit. I might lay hands. Not spiritually. There's still a thug in here. You catch me on the wrong day. Catch me outside. So when I saw that, I was like, God, please help me. Because I don't know. Say something to my wife. Not justifying it. Please hear me. Selective hearing. It's the last thing we want our children to mimic. We already have an angry generation. Let's not give them reasons to while out. But I don't want to be associated with those who wants to join in with the mockery. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord means the reverence, the respect. Jesus said, see, a lot of people want to separate Jesus from the church. But he said, no, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So I don't separate Jesus from his church. It's his church. Judgment starts by the house. If he's going to do it, let him do it. I don't want to be part of trying to be the judge of God's house. Let Jesus be the judge. I don't want to be associated with people who think they know better. Because when he comes back, I want to be on the right side of history with his bride, not against his bride. Can you say amen? So my friends, there's a process of elimination to live a blessed life. And then he turns and he says, but, and you know, I've said this so many times, but is a beautiful thing in the Bible because there's a shift. Say amen is a better way. He delights in the law of the Lord. If you take your notes, the word delight there simply means he takes pleasure. He enjoys it. He pursues it. When you delight in something, you go after it. Like no one has to make you do it. It is your longing. It is your craving, actually, 
Because Jesus said that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The blessed person wants the word. The blessed person pursues the word. The blessed person says, man, I need to go through the process of elimination because I got better things to do with my life. That's what the sermon does. It says, man, why should I join that when I have this? I have a better craving. There's nothing more powerful than your cravings. God created you with cravings. And when those cravings are not aligned with his will, you do weird things. Remember they tell you never shop when you're hungry? Why? Because you'll date the wrong person. (laughs) Talking about... He ugly anyways. But girl, he was always ugly. You were hungry. You were just hungry. A slim gym will do when you're hungry. Selling boyfriends at yard sale now. Just take them. I don't know if that was the Holy Spirit or Satan. I don't know. Discern that one. I don't know. My friends, he goes after it. He hungers for the word. Cravings will make you do crazy things. I remember one time we were pregnant. When I say we, my wife was, because she always corrects me. She's like, you ain't pregnant? Like, what do you mean? But I was like, I thought I'd contribute, though. All right, anyways. So we were, <laughs> we were at this concert, and she was pregnant with our first, and all of a sudden, the concert's about to end. It's like 10 o'clock at night. She goes, I want a hot dog. I'm craving a hot dog. And I'm like, it's 10 o'clock at night. I want a hot dog. I'm like, you pregnant in Cape Verde, and we're getting a hot dog. Like, we're going to find a hot dog. So we drove around trying to find a place open at 10 o'clock. You can't really find anything. I drove three or four different restaurants. Finally found a gas station that was open. I found this grimy gas station with, you know, grimy hot dogs. You know what I'm talking about? Loaded that joint up and brought it to her. I'm like, you want a hot dog? You get a hot dog because, you know, pregnancy cravings will make you eat grimy hot dogs from the gas station. But my point is that you pursue the craving. You go after it. It's not just something you say. It's what you pursue. When you take pleasure, it's like, man, I'm going after this. I'm selective because I have better things for me. He says, I meditate on the law of the Lord. The word, the law of the Lord there is another word for scriptures. Let me give you a couple examples of this. Hebrews chapter 4 says this about the word. It says, for the word of God is living and active. Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and what's the word there? Discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. In other words, the word cuts through the fluff, and he goes straight for the jugular. I don't know about you, but people say to me all the time, like, man, you were speaking right to me, but I'm like, I don't know you, but the word does. The word knows exactly where you are and exactly what you need, exactly the, all of the, the excuses that you make for yourself. The word doesn't listen to any of that. The word is like, let's talk about the real thing. 
The word will discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I don't know if you ever had this experience where you're reading the word, but the word is really reading you. You ever read the word and go, oh, how'd you know? Like, the word will reveal stuff that no one knows. Because the word knows that we have certain intentions and motives that doesn't align itself. This is why the word even tells you, my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways. So if you don't discern and meditate, you might miss me. Because I don't know about you as a believer, I want my thoughts to be God's thoughts. I want my ways to be God's ways. It's not going to happen unless I align myself with him. You ever read the word and be convicted? No? Then you're not reading the word. Because the word will convict. The word will cut through, man. The word will reveal, expose. The word's like a mirror sometimes. You know, the theologian told you, I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. He should have listened to himself. Cuts through the intentions and motives of the heart. Now, here's, this is the toughest part of discerning. So lean in. Sometimes you've got to discern familiar voices who are not in tune with the Holy Spirit. It's not the world you have to worry about sometimes. Sometimes it's your own circle that is not in tune with the Spirit of God. It's a great example of this in the life of Jesus and his own students, disciples. In Matthew 16, and this is about two and a half years into Jesus' ministry, he asked his students, who do people say I am? And they begin to say, hey, some people think you're a prophet. Others think you are Elijah incarnate. Others think you're Jeremiah. And then he turns the question on them. He says, what about you? You've been with me. You've been walking with me. Who do you say I am? In that moment, Peter speaks out because Peter is the loudmouth. Like, he's always ready. Peter's from New Bedford. Like, he's always got something to say. <laughs> Peter says, you are the son of the living God, the Messiah. And Jesus responded and said, blessed are you, Peter. Blessed are you, blessed are you, Peter, for you didn't get that revelation from man, but the Holy Spirit had to give you that revelation. In other words, you're in tune with the Spirit, and you realize who I really am. And he says, because now you realize who I really am, let me tell you guys what the plan is. And he begins to unfold the plan. He says, listen, the plan is that I'm going to Jerusalem, and I'm going to be tried, and I'm going to be crucified for the sins of the world, and I'm going to come back from the dead. And then Peter, feeling good about himself because he just got one for one, he decided to step up to the bed again and tell Jesus, no, no, you can't let that happen! And what does Jesus say to Peter? Same conversation, my friends. One moment, he's, he's saying, man, you're blessed because you heard from the Spirit. Here's the next moment. Same conversation. Watch this. This is Jesus' response. Jesus says, but he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. How would you like to be called Satan by one of your best friends? Because in this moment, Jesus is like, there's a difference between being in the Spirit and then trying to say something on your own. Now, watch this. There's more to this. It says, you are a, what's the word here? An hindrance to me. 
For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of men. How is that possible, my friends? Same conversation. One moment, he is filled with the Spirit. The next moment, he's being rebuked by the same Jesus. Why? Because at any given moment, I could be Spirit-led or I could be flesh-led. He told one of his closest disciples, get behind me, Satan, because he knew this is not you speaking. There is an influence behind you that is trying to distort the will of God, and I'm going to call out this spirit. So you want to be a mature believer? Discern even the voices of familiar people. Because not everyone is in tune with the Holy Spirit. Think about it. He didn't reject Peter. He rejected the opinion. And I'm not advocating for you to go around telling people, get behind me, Satan, because I hope you're really sure. <laughs> that would be awkward. But you have to discern why. Here's what happens in life. If you're paying attention, there's always two conversations happening. What the person is saying and what the spirit is saying. I don't know, you probably have had this experience where you talk to someone, they said all the right things, but it felt all wrong. What is that? That's the, that's the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. That's the gut check that the Holy Spirit will give you. Now, you got to discern, is that just my insecurity or is it the Holy Spirit speaking? Because sometimes your insecurity can make you rebuke people. Okay, that's... Let <laughs> me leave that one alone. Because there's a lot of insecure people walking around going, well, I'll rebuke you, Satan. But it's like, you need to rebuke yourself. But I don't know about you, but there's conversations that I have... And I don't have to say it out loud, but I'm, I'm saying it in me, like, not today. Like, you, 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 you need to be in your cubicle. When someone brings up something that you know is a hindrance, in your mind, you're like, not today, Karen. <laughs> not today. I see where that's coming from. Here's the thing. C.S. Lewis said something really heavy about this. He said, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Just because someone has good intentions doesn't mean they have godly intentions. And they could be in your inner circle. An hindrance to the Holy Spirit. I've seen so many people miss the will of God, not over bad things, but over good things that wasn't the Holy Spirit things. See, it's easy to hear powerful stories of transformation and healing, but what about the people that are in church in mediocrity day after day, not doing anything about their lives, because all they hear is what they want to hear, and they never step out in faith and do what God's called them to do, even if it includes being crucified. I'm more concerned with, with unhealthy church people, because Jesus said those are the lukewarm people that makes me want to just nauseate. Because if you're in the world, it's obvious this is not so obvious to be in the house and be lost. We always miss that about the prodigal son's story. It's two sons. One went out in the world and was lost. The other one was in the house and was lost. Because he wasn't in tune with the Holy Spirit. This is a mature word now to get to this place of maturity. Because like I said, a lot of opinions, not a lot of facts. And I mean like, Christian opinions. Anytime someone starts with, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian, it's like, you know better than Jesus then. Because Jesus went to church every single week. They call it synagogues. 
So you're, you are, man, you are amazing. You don't even need to do what Jesus did. You better discern that. That ain't from God. You got a lot of rogue Christians doing their own thing, singing their own kumbaya, creating their own YouTube videos, talking about, you know, I'm doing Jesus thing. Jesus is like, yeah, but if you were, you'd be linked to my church. <laughs> and I, what I love about those Christians, too, is like we skip all the verses about accountability and submission. I'll just, I'll just leave it alone. I got to go. Um, You gain discernment through meditation. How do you meditate? Simply, listen, my friends, let me, let me simplify this. Meditation is simply this. It's to fill your mind with the word of God to the place of obedience. It's not knowledge. Meditation is when you take knowledge and, and let it take root in you that it leads to action. And by the way, there's a difference between Christian meditation and Eastern meditation. There's another trend in our society right now, you know, about Eastern philosophies and yoga and all the good stuff. Listen, nothing wrong with yoga, but if your instructor says, now we're going to go ahead and empty our minds, you need to say, not today. <laughs> because I don't want my mind to be open to just any spirits. I need my mind to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So, Karen, you go ahead and do that, but I'm going to go ahead and take this moment and meditate in the Word. And i got to stop saying Karen because we have a Karen in the church who is a sweet lady. Doesn't deserve this. Not today, Shaquina. Not today. Okay. Notice, though, he says he ponders on it. When Moses died, God called Joshua to lead the people. And he gave him this command. He said, look, go ahead. He said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do. It's not just no, it's to do according to all that is written in it. For then, the promises of God always has a then. If you do this, then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Day and night. I was talking to someone who studies neuroscience, study of the brain, and how more than ever they're finding out that you can, you can shift your mind. And he was saying, it was, was fascinating, he's like, we're finding that there is portals where your mind is more receptive to information and knowledge. And he says, we're finding that it's, it's early in the morning and late at night. And I'm like... How amazing is the word of God written thousands of years ago? It tells you, hey, you want this? Meditate on it day and night. Take advantage of the portals of moments that you can receive. In other words, I don't know about you, man. The way you start your day matters. Massive role of how your day goes. How you start. And then how you finish also matters. Because all you have is spans of 24 hours. That's your life. You are a sum of what you repeat every 24 hours. Right? So the Bible says, man, why don't you repeat this process, this pattern of taking advantage of the window of opportunities to really download and to receive freshly the will and the purpose of God. 
That's why it's important to, to memorize the word. Someone said to me, uh, sometimes I go to crew, we don't open up the Bible. I'm like, did you know that we didn't have a written Bible for 15 centuries? You know where it was? It was right here. They would go to synagogue, they would receive it, they would learn it, they would memorize it, and then they would have it. One of the first scriptures I've ever memorized is Romans 12, 1 and 2. Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies unto God as living sacrifices. May they be holy and pleasing to him. He says, that's your reasonable act of worship, not music, your life. Then he goes on to say, he says, do not conform any longer to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by renewal of your mind. He says, then you will discern God's will for you, which is pleasant, perfect, and good will. You need to daily give your mind intake of the word so that you are giving a fresh commands towards the will and the purpose of God. Your mind's not good or bad, it's what you feed it every single day. And I don't know about you, I don't want to know more stats about Brady than I know the Word of God. Because that stuff is useless. He left us anyways. <laughs> Maybe I'm a little salty. Meditate on the Word. How do you do this? This is why the church fathers call holy leisure. It's to learn to abide Learn to remain. Jesus put it this way. In John 15, Jesus said, he says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can't do nothing. This is why I'm saying when you start your day with the Lord, you're way more productive than you can do a million things and feel like useless. Because the Lord will bless your productivity when you put him first, when you start with him. Abiding means I need to, 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 to make room to just be and plug in and connect to the source of life itself. That's what it means to abide. My friends, if, if you're taking notes, to abide is to remain, is to, is to meditate. And prayer and meditation go hand in hand. When Paul says pray without ceasing, he didn't say, hey, go into a closet for five hours. What Paul was saying is develop an attitude of prayer where you're constantly Thinking and doing the will of God and asking God into what's happening in your life. That's what meditation truly is. And notice he says, as I wrap up, notice he says, he, this person is like a tree rooted. He says, this person bears fruit always in due time. What does tree need to bear fruit? Three things, right? The sun, water, and minerals and nutrients, right? Think about it in the spirit. He says, if you're like... In the word, right, you have the S-O-N, right, you have the spirit of God, you have the water, you have the nutrients of the Holy Spirit, and guess what? As you continue to remain, because the tree is not doing anything but remain, your roots are growing deeper. Come hell or high water, nothing will move you. Uh, see, a solid tree might bend, it won't break. Because why? It has deep roots. My friends, that's my prayer for us. Be deeply rooted and grounded. Come hell or high water, nothing can move you from the will and the purpose of God. Remember, when Jesus talked to Peter, he also prophesied over him. Even though he called him Satan, he says, you are Peter. And upon you, I will build my church. He changed his name. He said, you are a rock. In other words, he was calling Peter a pillar. You will see this pillar right here? 
That pillar doesn't move. See, that's what we need in the church. We need more people who will stop being flaky and noodle and in, in one day, out the next day. Like be a pillar, a rock, solid. I pray that your mind is so made up about Jesus. It doesn't matter what happens. Like, I'm rooted, man. I ain't going nowhere. It's going to have to take a lot to uproot me from the will of God. Even in that moment that Peter didn't understand, Jesus was like, I don't look at you just for this moment. I look at you for eternity, and I call you a pillar. Prophesize over him. I prophesy over you that you are a man of God. You are a woman of God. You have what it takes. God is empowering you. God is strengthening you. God is motivating you. God is rebuking you to heal you, to restore you. Come hell or high water. But you got to practice meditation. And as I wrap up, as you guys know, it's always practical. Let me give you practical ways to meditate on the word daily. Here it is. Go ahead and take a screenshot of this. And if you use your phone outside of this in church, I rebuke it. I pray your phone breaks in many parts. Put a curse on your phone. Pastor, uh, shut up. I'm just playing. (laughs) Well, watch this. Look. Start each day with the verse of the day. Take advantage of that portal in the morning. First thing I do every morning, without fail, I open the Bible app and I read the verse of the day. Because I don't know about you, you guys, some of y'all are holy, sanctified, you wake up praising Jesus. I wake up unsaved. And I need it right away. I need to give my mind commands right away because if not, my mind will take me places I don't want to go. So I start in the word every day. Look, today's word. Let me show you how practical this is. Let me walk you through this. Today's word is, is Acts 4.12. It says, it says, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. That's the word of the day. So what I do is I'll take that and I'll personalize it. You know what I say? I start to read the word from a personal standpoint because I believe the word is for me. So I say, I say, Lord, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven which I can be saved. So today I receive your salvation all over again. I receive your son all over again. I receive your blessings all over again. I want to live under the name of Jesus all over again. And so I pray that verse, my friends, because sometimes you're like, I don't know how to pray. Pray the word. Pray the word. You will never stop having something to pray for. Pray the word and watch your prayer life go to another level. And you stop, you know, you, you, you will graduate from your meet the parents prayer. <laughs> then still meet the parents day by day, by day, by day. Some of y'all, you're like, my, my prayer keeps hitting the ceiling, come back. Yeah, pray the word. Stop praying your feelings. Pray the word. Bring it back to mind throughout the day. That's how you meditate. That's how you, you give your mind commands. Hey, let's stay on the word. Let's stay on track. Let's stay focused on the word. That's up to you to command your mind to stay focused. Because you're going to have reasons to not be. Stay on the word. Listen, at bedtime, this is a great way to end your day. Ask this question, did I obey the word today? Because you don't want to just have knowledge. Knowledge puffs you up. You need to do the will of God. So that's that's a daily reflection Did I obey the word today? Lord, how was I today? Did I represent you well today? 
Did I honor you well today with my words, with my actions? There's another great psalmist who says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, Lord. Was I pleasing to you today? I told first service that I already have work to do because I woke up today and, and I yelled at my kids and I was like, I felt awful. I was like, man, here we go again. And if you don't yell at your kids, God bless you. They must be 10 months old or maybe 40 years old. But I take inventory and I take that stuff seriously because I don't want to just preach to you. I want to do what I'm preaching to you. I don't want to just be, give someone who gives you knowledge. I want to live out what I'm trying to preach to you. And then repeat it all over again tomorrow. Jesus said each day has his own trouble. Like, don't worry about tomorrow. Like, I'll take care of that. He actually gave a great analogy when he, when he was feeding the Israelites. He was giving them this thing called manna. They're like, what is it? He's like, exactly. <laughs> Bible joke. Um, read your Bibles. You would have followed if you read your Bible. But they were trying to hoard it. They're like, oh, man, we got to hoard. We need this for days. And they would wake up the next day and find it all rotten. Jesus is like, the point was, I want you to abide in me daily so you don't make the mistake of thinking you can get ahead of me. So get the word for today. And then lastly, my friends, set abiding time twice a week. This is, this is something you need to go deeper. Go study Jesus' life. The Son of God would make time to be with the Father. Because he knows that's where I get my identity and my purpose from. And you got to know your soul. You got to know when you're running low, you're running empty, and you're running on the flesh. That you need times. I don't know about you guys. For me, by Wednesday, I need a good hour in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And you might think, that's crazy. That's a lot. Start with 20 minutes. But let me tell you something. When you enjoy something, it's not about the time. It's not about the time. When you enjoy someone's company, man, you, what do we usually say? Wow, time flew by. When you don't like someone, it's like, some of y'all, you're struggling with the church service. Why? You don't enjoy this. That's on you. I'm enjoying myself. <laughs> they asked me this week, Pastor, would you prefer a long worship service or a long preach? I'm like, duh. I'm going to preach all day. I preach to myself. Some weeks, I'm getting myself saved because I ain't getting nothing from y'all. So I'm preaching to me. Like, I need that. I need to abide. I need to connect. There's too much noise out there, my friends. What I don't... This is my choice. The noise doesn't have to get in. You heard the saying, right? You could be in a storm, but it doesn't mean the storm has to be in. That's how abiding does. It creates space for you to be in the pocket. Even if everything is going from bad to worse, Jesus says, I'll give you peace that makes no sense when you abide in me. My peace I give you. The world cannot give you that, he says. I'll give you my peace. I'm Jehovah Jireh. I'm Jehovah Shalom. I'm Jehovah Rapha. Stand with me as we pray this morning. Bless is you when you don't follow the advice of the wicked stand around with sinners or join in with mockers but you delight in the law of the Lord you meditate on it day and night you are like a tree picture yourself as a tree planted around the riverbank bearing fruit each season your leaves never wither and whatever you do you prosper the word prosperity is not just financial 
It's actually peace. It's actually joy. It's actually success in every aspect. Your marriage prospers. Your kids prosper. Yes, your finances prosper too. Your business prospers when you are rooted and grounded in the will and the purpose of God. Come hell or high water, you are rooted. Nothing can shake you and move you from the will of God. The Bible says nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Let's lift our hands to the Lord and pray together. Holy Spirit, you know how to customize the word. You know how to bring it to each and every person exactly where they are. You know exactly what they need. Lord, I pray that we are those who are saying, Lord, I want to live in the fullness of your will. I don't want to just go through the motions. I want to discern. I want to distinguish. I want to be spirit-filled. I want to be spirit-led. Lord, today I want to choose to meditate on your word choose to fill my mind with your word and I pray your word leads me to obedience because obedience is better than sacrifice and you said if you love me you will obey me the real way that we know we love you is by obeying your word and I believe if we're paying attention you've given us our next steps you've given us directives you, you're showing us clearly what we need to do and I pray now would empower us to not just hear the word but to be doers of the word and as we get ready to baptize our friends Lord we want to lift them up to you I believe God you're going to meet him in this water I pray that there's a divine exchange happening between the old and the new. And I pray that they will come out of this water spirit-filled by the power of your Holy Spirit. That they will never go back to the ways of the world because they've been transformed by renewal of their minds. They've accepted that Jesus is their Lord and Savior. So bless them as they meet you in this water. And I pray also, Lord, you have a way of speaking to us through other people's testimonies. So open hearts today to your will, we pray. In Jesus' name, and we all said, Amen, Amen. Amen.